Hello guys and welcome to today's episode. So today we are going to talk about food obsession. Food obsession is so common in people with eating disorders and that confuses a lot of people because a lot of people assume that people with eating disorders just don't like or care for food but actually the opposite is usually true. I mean, there are some people with eating disorders that are just disinterested in food and just doesn't care at all, especially some people with, for instance, ARFID, but also not everyone with ARFID is just disinterested in food. That's not the case at all. I know several people with ARFID who also have food obsession, but I just want to say that if you are someone with an eating disorder who does not experience food obsession, that does not mean you don't have an eating disorder, right? So I just want to get that out because the eating disorder loves to kind of invalidate itself, right? Oh, I'm not here. You see, you don't have that symptom, so you can't have an eating disorder. That is in itself the eating disorder speaking. But again, overall, food obsession is very, very, very common in people with eating disorders. And it is also common in recovery from eating disorders. During my own eating disorder, I was completely emotionally blunted. Like there was just no emotional reaction to me, no joy, no sadness. I was just I know some people experience more mood swings during recovery, but for me, it was just, I was just a rock. There was just nothing there except around food. Food would give me insane emotional reactions. If, for instance, I had planned on eating carrots and then someone else had taken my carrots in the fridge, I would freak out. And also, as I was suffering anorexia nervosa binge purge subtype, I would have binge sessions. And during those sessions, eating felt like a very emotionally heightened experience. And I would often obsess over and plan these sessions and just be like, oh my God, fantasize about when I could have a binge session next. In my recovery, I was also food obsessed. I was just so focused on, you know, my meal plan, what I was going to eat next. And going to the grocery store was, I mean, it was terrifying, but it was also just so exciting. Exciting and terrifying at once, just like a roller coaster, right? <laughs> it was literally an emotional roller coaster. And I always say that excitement and anxiety is actually a very similar emotion in the body. And if you've been in recovery, you know what I mean. <laughs> So let's talk a bit about food obsession in general. Like, what is it? Why does it happen? And very interestingly, people with eating disorders often take the food obsession as a sign that they have to restrict because they're thinking, oh my God, I'm so obsessed with food and I often feel like I can't control myself around it. Therefore, I need to engage in, you know, restriction. I need to purge. I need to overexercise, you know, it kind of reinforces the eating disorder belief because you have this food obsession because you feel like if you just let go, you're just never going to stop eating. You're just never going to have any sense of control or normalcy around food. The truth is you are experiencing food obsession because you are undernourished. Your body and brain is desperately trying to get you to eat. They have tried sending out hunger signals physically with a rumbling stomach, but they kind of give up on that because you're clearly not responding to it. So now they're doing the thing where they send you obsessive thoughts around food, hoping that that will make you eat. The problem is that is not always how it works out. Instead, a lot of people with eating disorders deal with these this food obsession by cooking for other people, seeking up 
pictures online, looking at baking shows, reading cooking books, uh, you know, everything related to food except actually eating the food that they really need themselves. Some may find a lot of pleasure in watching other people eat and others might just be very obsessive around the little that they allow themselves to eat or, you know, obsessively plan binges and plan like compensatory behaviors. It's just everything is around eating, 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 how to eat less, how to eat more, how to compensate if you eat more, all of these things. Everything just revolves around food. I remember when I was in the depths of my eating disorder, I would actually go to sleep fantasizing about food. And when I was asleep, I would have dreams about food. Sometimes I'd have nightmares that I've accidentally eaten something forbidden. You know, it is absolutely crazy how it works, right? And the thing is that a lot of people with eating disorders confuse this newfound food obsession with a genuine interest, which is why there is quite a disproportionate amount of people with eating disorders who enter, uh, you know, the field of nutrition and become nutritionists or want to become chef, want to become bakers. Nothing wrong with these career paths, not at all. And I'm not saying that if you've had an eating disorder or have an eating disorder, you can't successfully pursue these career paths. But it is a very interesting phenomenon to observe and be aware of because I've seen people going from not really caring about what they eat and cooking to being the family chef cooking like four course meal for other people and then don't eat it themselves or eat it themselves but then compensate or freak out, restrict, uh, overexercise, purge, anything like that, engaging in disordered behaviors basically or just having crippling anxiety. Food obsession is actually one of the main things that I work with and how I kind of, when I'm working, especially like with clients and stuff, working on detecting if someone is undernourished, I always ask them, how is your relationship to food in terms of how much do you think about food? How much do you obsess with food? Like the cognitive aspects of it. When someone tells me that they think about food all the time and they're obsessed with food, I immediately know that they're probably undernourished. Does not matter what their weight is. Because the truth is, fully nourished people don't walk around thinking and obsessing about food all the time. Yes, they will when they're really hungry. Absolutely. In the same way that you will probably obsess about getting to bed when you're really, really tired. Or if you're very dehydrated, you're just going to obsess about the thought of drinking water. And the reason why you have this obsession with going to sleep when you're very tired or drinking water when you're very dehydrated, it's not because you're developing a sleep obsession or sleep addiction. I mean, we all are addicted to sleep because we need to sleep each day. Same goes with food and drink. But it's not like you are emotionally becoming addicted to drinking water or sleeping and you need to control and restrict it. No. If you are dehydrated or sleep deprived, you go to bed or you drink the water. And then when you satisfy that need, the obsession lessens. With eating disorders, you never fully give in to this need. And therefore, the obsession just does not go away. And the fact that you have the obsession often prevents you from giving in to the need. Unfortunately, there is a lot of fear-mongering within recovery spaces of emotional eating, right? And I'm not saying that emotional eating can't be a thing, but what I am saying is that if you are someone who's undernourished, eating is going to feel more emotionally activating for you. You're going to have stronger feelings around it. You're going to get a stronger, you know, not only fear response, but also joy response around it. Just in the same way that drinking water is more rewarding when you're severely dehydrated. That does not mean that you are emotionally drinking. It means you're dehydrated. 
And this is one thing that I see a lot of people who have recovered from bulimia. They used to binge eat when they were upset, stressed or something because the binging, due to them being undernourished, the binging gave them like the a boost of endorphins, right? It gave them the happy power. It gave them just a boost in their mood. And then when they recover, they notice that they don't really get the same boost anymore from binging. It just hits different, you know? That's very fascinating. And contrary to popular belief, the reason why it doesn't hit the same is not because the person has gone in a lot of therapy and learned to deal with their emotions differently. Of course, yeah, this might be part of it. But one of the main reasons why it doesn't hit the same to binge when you are re-nourished, fully re-nourished, is your leptin levels and ghrelin levels, which is basically your hunger hormones, are normalized. And of course, there is also the psychological aspect of forbidden food taste the sweetest. So if you are allowing yourself to eat the chocolate cake, you're yeah, you might have a period in the beginning where you're just going to eat chocolate cake for breakfast every day. But eventually, chocolate cake loses its appeal and you're just like, yeah, it's just chocolate cake. So it is about mental and physical restriction. Overall, it is about letting go of the fear of eating too much and stop seeing it as something scary that you need to control yourself around and avoid. And the problem with a lot of this focus on, you know, mindful eating and all of these things is that sometimes it can make it seem like you're hungry, something scary that you need to control. So imagine if you were dehydrated and you were like, okay, have a sip of water, but then you need to think about how it feels in your body to drink this water. You'd be a bit like, can I please just chug this water? Because I'm so dehydrated. And that is how you feel from just a few hours being out in the sun without drinking water. And then think about the fact that you have been undernourished chronically for a long period of time. It could be months, could even be years, and in some cases even decades. You cannot expect this obsession with food to disappear in a few days or a few weeks. It's going to take some time. And this is one of those things that it does not matter how many times I explain it to people, they're still going to have these anxieties and fears. They're still going to ask me, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? But what if this? What if that? They're always going to convince themselves that they are the exception who is developing emotional eating, binge eating disorder, etc, etc. So just a note on binge eating disorder. I'm going to talk a bit more about this in the future. Binge eating disorder is not something that just magically pops up after an restrictive eating disorder, unless you are someone who engages in compensatory behaviors, right? So if you are having extreme hunger and you react by restriction, yes, chances are you're going to end up in a cycle of binge restrict. But it is not something you just wake up one day and you have. Binge eating disorder is a complex complex eating disorder, and that is quite different from, uh, you know, for instance, anorexia and bulimia, because there are different factors at play. There are different biological responses at play. And I also want to remind you that emotional eating, it is not in itself this very bad, dangerous thing that we have to avoid at all costs. Like sometimes eating is emotional. That is just the truth. Sometimes you eat for other reasons than just pure hunger. That is part of being a human being. You know, if you go to the cinema and you order popcorn, maybe your stomach wasn't rumbling. But you just snack because that's just part of it. That's part of the social code. And, you know, maybe someone just went through a breakup and they want to comfort eat some ice cream. That's fine. It is so demonized. And part of why it's so demonized is because we have a diet culture and we also have this massive, this fear of fat, which is like, oh, don't eat too much or you'll end up fat. Like that is the worst thing you can be. 
because it's not. We all have a different unique set point weight range. For some, that means being fat. For other, that means being thin. Recovery is all about getting to your body's natural set point weight range. And until you're there, chances are you're going to feel quite rigid and obsessive. So very interesting what a lot of people with eating disorders explain the experience is that they feel this extreme mental hunger, but physically they're not that hungry. And I just need to make this very clear. Mental hunger is hunger. For a lot of different reasons in recovery and when you have an eating disorder, hunger might be more mental than physical. And especially in recovery, you know, you're eating more and your stomach is, you know, it's digesting slower because it's not used to digesting as much and as fast. So it's relearning how to digest, which makes your stomach feel quite full a lot of the time. You're going to feel the hunger more as a food obsession rather than just your stomach screaming and rumbling. That does happen for some. Some people also experience that at some points in their recovery, they notice that they get like a rumbling stomach and that the hunger becomes more physical. But sometimes it's going to feel like you're super full, but you just can't stop thinking about food. And you know what? You need to eat. You need to eat. You're not emotionally eating or developing binge eating disorder. I promise you. Following physical and mental hunger is crucial in recovery and very often you can't rely 100% on the physical uh, the physical hunger cues because chances are they're not always going to bring you up to the amount you need and that's when you need to rely on mental hunger there's nothing wrong with it please don't buy into this excessive fear-mongering around you know eating when you're not hungry emotional eating boredom eating does not apply in recovery and i also honestly believe that a lot of it doesn't apply also for people in that are not in recovery because a lot of the people who are panicking about these things are chronic dieters and what happens when you're dieting is that again eating becomes more emotionally rewarding you very rarely hear people who never diet talk about oh emotional eating i'm scared i'm eating because i'm bored emotional you know panicking about these things very usually it is chronic yo-yo dieters and you know, because I've been in the recovery community and I'm doing work here for so long, I've had the privilege of watching a lot of people from the start of their recoveries to actually full recovery. And you know, the one thing I see again and again and again is this: there is this terrible, terrible fear that they're going to develop, you know, emotional eating, that they're actually just, you know, being lazy, being greedy, all of these things, and they're so obsessed with food. And then. You see them a little bit after, you know, when they're steady and they recovered a few months, year after, and they're like, oh yeah, I mean, I like food, but I just don't think about it that much anymore. I kind of just eat and get on with my day. This is not to say that after recovery, you can't have any pleasure or excitement in food. Not at all. You know, I'm thinking for myself, if I'm, a, if I'm hungry at a restaurant, oh my God, I'm super excited when my food comes. But it is a very different type of excitement to the one I had during my eating disorder, which was just obsessive and intense and all-consuming. I think the cognitive dissonance people with eating disorders that we tend to experience when it comes to these things is, is so fascinating because, <laughs> you know, it makes so much logical sense that when you think about food all the time, maybe you should eat. You know, it's, it's just the most logical thing ever. But still, we manage to make it about the opposite that, oh no, this is a sign that you need to be careful around food. So I just want to remind you this, that's your eating disorder speaking. And have your eating disorder been talking a lot of sense lately? Is your eating disorder usually right? 
No, it is not. It is so wrong. Whatever your eating disorder say, it is probably the exact opposite of the truth. And I'm going to talk a bit more about this later, about like binging, extreme hunger, etc, etc. That's going to come in a future episode very soon. Uh, but I can give a quick recap. And that is that during recovery, chances are you're going to go through a period where you're just so hungry and food obsessed. And all you can think about is eat. All you can do is eat. You just want to eat, 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 eat. You might not even feel like leaving the house. You just want to be at home eating all the time. This is not binge eating disorder. This is not emotional eating. This is not greed. This is not, I mean, I could go on for ages, right? This is normal in recovery and it is temporary. It will not be the rest of your life. But if you do want to make it permanent, you can just throw in some restriction there, throw in some purging, throw in some overexercise, because then you never get yourself out of that undernourishment state. And then I can guarantee you it's going to be permanent. So when you hear people saying, oh, I had, for instance, oh, I had anorexia and then I got binge eating disorder. I have not yet seen a case of those people not engaging in restriction also. The reason why going from, for instance, anorexia to, you know, for instance, bulimia or binge eating disorder is seen as a thing, is seen as common, is because people are restricting and compensating because they experience this extreme hunger, this reactive hunger, this food obsession, and they freak out because it is scary. But as long as you know what's going on, as long as you know that it is temporary, then you can be more calm and you can make rational decisions and you can kind of just allow yourself to go all in and trust the process. And I also just want to add that if someone is grown up, for instance, with food instability, grown up, being quite poor and not knowing when they're going to have access to food next, then yes, some of these habits and mindset can also happen. So it's not always that it's just a result of undernourishment. If you are someone who grown up and you didn't know when you're going to get food next, then chances are you're going to obsess a lot, you're going to maybe hoard, you're going to have certain behaviors around food that you wouldn't have otherwise. Another thing if you have food obsession to be aware of is if you are eating a quite high intake, you're eating enough for your recovery, which is a lot of food, <laughs> just saying probably more than you think you need. If you're eating a lot, but you still have food obsession, you can't stop thinking about it. Are you eating the foods you really want? Because I see a lot of people who enter recovery, but it's just all, you know, it's all whole grain and fruit and veggies. You also do need to eat those foods that you really fear and crave. And you might not even crave them. You might just fear them, but you need to eat your fear foods as well. And also be aware that even if you are eating all your fear foods and eating a lot, you are going to be food obsessed for some time. It is going to go away, but it does not just go away on a week in recovery and then you're just not thinking about food anymore. No, it is going to be there for some time. But you know, I always say this, food is probably never going to be as rewarding. I mean, also terrifying, but also rewarding as right now. So you might as well just enjoy it. <laughs> and being terrified and super excited, again, it is not two oppositing feelings. It's actually very similar feelings. That's why I say food is going to be terrifying and super exciting at once. But yes, overall, the point with this episode was just explain a little bit about, um, you know, food obsession and this fear of, you know, being too obsessed with food and all of these things, because I do hear this as a very common fear for people in recovery. It is temporary, it is normal, and it does get better. You just need to eat, eat, eat. Eat the things you crave. Eat the things that you're eating disorder don't want you to eat. 
don't freak out. You're, I promise you, you're not developing binge eating disorder, emotional eating, unless you are engaging in restrictive behaviors that maintain this food obsession. And now to a listener question. So this question was written in my native language, which is which is Norwegian. So I'm just going to translate it. But it says, uh, I'm in recovery and I'm eating a lot. I'm full all the time. My stomach hurts because I'm so full, but I'm not gaining weight. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how you did it. So this is something that I also do get a lot, especially from people who are a little bit into their recovery. You know, in the early phases, it's quite common that you gain quite a lot and quite little and then it does tend to slow down. So this answer to this will basically be a bit in two phases, right? The first one is hypermetabolism. It's a thing. It is a thing. When you are in recovery and you're increasing your intake, this especially goes for those who are like in all-in recovery where they're eating a lot and they're fully resting. They will, their metabolism will tend to speed up. And it can speed up a lot to the point where you need thousands and thousands and thousands of calories just to gain like a tiny bit of weight per week. I've seen this. And I also at one point in my recovery, my metabolism was very high. So I needed to eat a lot just to gain like the bare minimum. And you know what the answer is? I hate to break it to you, but (laughs) you need to eat more. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. You need to eat more. And I know this can feel terrifying because you are so full and you described feeling stuffed all the time. And that is also common because of what I explained earlier, that that physical hunger especially does tend to, you know, you tend to be quite full in recovery, even though you might be mentally hungry, but you kind of just need to force feed yourself a bit. And the best way to do this is focus on energy dense foods that you find it easier to eat a lot of. I see a lot of people in recovery who are filling up on fruits and vegetables and whole grain and all of these things. And nothing wrong with these foods at all, but it might be easier for you to, you know, have some chocolate, have some sweets. You do not have to fill up on quinoa right now, okay? Fill up on high energy foods. So for instance, liquid calories is amazing. Like make high, high calorie density smoothies or also if you're drinking nutrition drinks uh, I know that a lot of people have strong opinions on those but they can be quite helpful for a lot of people in recovery because then you can basically just shot it and accept that discomfort and fullness is going to be part of the process and then the second I mean face or <laughs> part of the answer is are you really eating that much and this applies to some because for some people they are actually eating that much but they're experiencing hypermetabolism but I do see a lot of people in recovery who think they are eating so much because they're so full, but they're not really eating that much. Because again, like I said, early fullness and feeling physically very full because, you know, the stomach emptying is a slower process uh, than, you know, for people without eating disorders. You might not actually be eating that much. You just feel like you are. And also you tend to have quite, when you have an eating disorder, you tend to have quite distorted views about what is an appropriate amount of food, (laughs) you know. And a lot of people with eating disorders tend to fill up on low energy foods. I also touched upon that in the last one. But if you are eating a massive bowl of salad for lunch and a massive bowl of vegetables for dinner, you might eat big volumes, but are you eating a lot of energy? Overall, the key is rest, food, rest, food, repeat, repeat, repeat. There is no magic word I can say that just, you know, saves you here you need to put in the work and you need to find ways to increase your intake 
and eat foods that you find it easier to reach a higher uh, a higher calorie goal with. And a very common advice here would be to increase your fat intake and that can be helpful for some but other people say that when they increase their fat intake they actually feel more full and find it easier to eat a lot of for instance uh, like simple carbohydrates just an example so we all have different foods that we find it easier to eat more of when eating sufficient eating enough is difficult don't waste stomach space on you know kale and cucumber i'm not saying these are foods you can't eat not at all that's not what i'm saying but what i'm saying is you know right now the most important part for you is to get to a sufficient energy intake and then it's important to focus on foods that actually give you energy not just foods that fill up your stomach because your stomach is going to feel so full already the good news is that this slowing of the stomach emptying and like this constipation and stuff that people might experience, it does get better with time and energy. It does get better with time and energy. Your body is just relearning how to digest again because it has already it has slowed down because of energy restriction. Personally, what helped me when I was in recovery in reaching my goal in terms of calorie intake was nutrition drinks and also snacking a lot I would snack on like bananas and nuts and just have a lot of snacks like between meals and also trying like sneaking in like sauces oils these things can be very helpful and I was also one of those people who when I had my eating disorder I would fill up on fruit and vegetables and it was such a weird thing to stop doing in recovery and I felt like oh my god I'm not eating enough fruits and vegetables I'm not going to get enough vitamin c (laughs) this is your eating disorder speaking Right now, the main focus is to get enough energy. And you know what? Sometimes that might mean not eating fruit and vegetables for a few months. Like I've seen people who are in recovery who just can't touch fruit and vegetables. But then after recovery, when they recover, they start getting cravings for that again. Our bodies are really smart, but right now the focus should be to eat enough calories. And also to make sure that you're not avoiding certain things, such as, you know, there are some people who might eat enough calories but they're just completely not eating fats or they're not eating carbohydrates because they fear that so make sure that you are actually getting enough of different things because your body needs needs everything i tend to see a lot of people hyper focusing on protein and yeah protein is important but usually if you are eating a a normal intake in recovery and you're eating different foods you tend to get enough protein unless you are like heavily vegan or vegetarian and even then you might still get enough protein but overall if you are concerned with your nutritional intake definitely consider talking to an eating disorder informed uh, dietitian and I say emphasis on eating disorder informed because there are a lot of dietitians out there who are very very entrenched in diet culture and don't know some of the basics of eating disorder recovery but working with a dietitian that is informed with eating disorders can help you increase in a way that works for you and find a meal structure that works for you. That was it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you again next week. And for questions to the podcast, you can either email me at contact at letsrecover.co.uk. That's also the email if you want to work with me in terms of coaching. And also you can DM me at letsrecover.co.uk. That's the account, basically, letsrecover.co.uk and send it in the dms i sometimes miss dms uh, but i'll try and keep an eye out so if you've got any questions that you want me to touch upon and also if you have a topic request uh, in terms of podcast episode do let me know and yeah do let me know how you like the podcast i love hearing feedback so don't be shy (laughs) have a lovely week ahead guys